Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. These phrases in the, in the past, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. Right? What about if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably... Right? What about this one and maybe church life? If it looks holy, it's got to be holy. Huh? Ooh, yeah. I love that y'all already agreed with that. This is good. We're off to a good start this morning. You know, it's amazing. We, we talk about, uh, the Bible talks a lot about salt. And the next two Wednesdays, I'm going to do a quick series, two-week series on salt. But I, I, saw this, I saw this phrase this morning, early morning hours this morning, that salt seasons, it purifies, and it preserves, but somebody ought to remind us that salt also irritates. Isn't it amazing how your life and Christ is an irritant to other people around you? Uh, you ever think about that? Sometimes we, because of our love for Jesus and the spillover that that love causes, it can be quite an irritant to other people. And that's a good thing. Look at your neighbor and say, you irritate me sometimes. <laughs> Bunch of gullible people. <laughs> oh, praise God. If I was still charging like I used to for counseling, I would be making a lot of extra money by the problems that I cause. Amen. So, I want to start this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 10. Read to you guys a very quick story and then just talk about a few things that I believe um, are on my heart this morning, that God has placed on my heart this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 10, you know, this is, this is during the time that, that Saul was being acclaimed as, as king, and if we're going to pick it right up in, in verse 17, Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord of Mizpah, and he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, has declared, I brought you from Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians and from all the nations that were oppressing you. But though I have rescued you from your misery and distress, you have rejected your God today and have said, no, we want a king instead. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by tribes and clans. Now, let's keep in mind here that God knew this plan was based on wrong motives and would lead to trouble, but allowed Saul to be given charge over Israel. Keep that in mind. And just, I, we just read it, but keep it in mind this morning that this is something, sometimes God will allow people to have their way in order for him later to prove that his way was the best way from the start. Yes. And, and it's, you know, it is for most of us, we don't seem to learn very well the first time. 
we, we, we like to learn things the hard way, and I don't know if we just have a big kick me sticker on the back of us, but it just seems like, you know, you're back in grade school and there's a sticker on you and you wonder why people keep kicking you in the rear end. And I'm not going to talk about the days of me being bullied. Anyways, I'm good. I'm good. So we, we go on here, and so the Lord is asking for, he's saying, okay, now go ahead and gather the tribes and the clans. And in verse 20, so Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord. And the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord and the family of the uh, Matriites and was chosen. And finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. And when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord, isn't this funny that they're having a conversation with Jehovah God and these people still want a mortal king over a sovereign God? Yeah. Does that not sound a little bit like America right now? I want to tell you guys, if you put your hopes and dreams in Joe Biden, you're going to be sadly disappointed. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Or if you're putting your hopes and dreams in our president, Kamala, then you're going to be sadly disappointed. <laughs> oh man, there we go. This is why we do edits on our recordings, praise God. We pray for them, amen. So, you know, we read this, and, and they're, they're looking for him, and they ask the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, and he said, he's hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out, and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all of Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. You know, when Samuel went to represent or present Israel's first king to the people, Saul was discovered, as I just read, hiding among the baggage. And I want to kind of camp there a little bit this morning. The Hebrew word for baggage symbolizes uh, the self-imposed limitations that hinder us from tackling the job or the calling that God has placed on our life. How many of you know that the baggage in your life, whether it's from the past or from the very uh, near present, uh, it can hinder you from listening to the voice of God, heeding the voice of God, and then moving into the next level or the next season of your life because you are hindered. You are hindered by a past event. You are hindered by a past mentality. Maybe you are hindered by a past negative confession. You're hindered by a bunch of different things. When we think of baggage, we think about a loss of a relationship or we think a loss of a job and those things build baggage or, or maybe a disease process, maybe a, a change of health. But baggage is defined in a lot of different Ways And sometimes as Christians, instead of, um, of being sheltered under the sovereign wings of a holy God, we hide behind the baggage of our past. 
And so, once again, God knew this, this was all going to take a very negative direction, but, but, but God has a way of proving to us that His will is perfect and our will for our life is pretty terrible. All right? Look at your neighbor and say, no, don't say that. Never mind. <laughs> I want to point out about three different things that I believe Saul struggled with. And the first thing that, that, that Saul struggled with was feelings of inadequacy. His first response when he heard that he had been chosen as king was, and this is written in 1 Samuel 9, 21, it says, uh, am I not from the smallest tribe of Israel, the least of all? When you fail to figure God into the equation, you always feel less than. When God is not the center of every situation, the center of your life as a dad, as a mom, as a parent, as a leader, as a, as a person that's trying to provide and put food on the table for your family. When, when God is not the center, you are always going to regress into the, the area of hardship, which is feeling inadequate. And, and, and I'll tell you guys, I mean, this is, I'm probably going to identify these three areas because these are three areas I've struggled with for most of the course of my life. I remember, you know, while Candace was, you know, in the papers every week for sports and definitely is the most athletic person in our family by far, other than Cooper. He seems a bit more athletic at this age. <laughs> but while Candace was, was you, know, at, at, you know, at a 5A school and, 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 and doing amazing things even before she got saved, um, I was... I was warming a bench at a private school and, and not even able to really play. And, 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 wasn't, and I didn't play not because I didn't have any giftings in basketball or whatever sport. What my issue was is I always had the mentality that once I got on the court, even though I did good in practice and ran harder and, and, and did things harder than most and and, and put myself out there when it came time for the, the day or the game, I would get into the realm of stage fright. And, and, and I would, would be like, coach would be like, court, go in. No, 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 I'm good, coach. I'm, I'm fine right here. I wouldn't even allow my parents to come to the game sometimes because I, didn't, I felt so inadequate. I didn't want to fail in front of them. Why am I telling you all this? Because if we're actually an honest church and we're not trying to be holier than thou all the time. Actually, by the way, if you're trying to be holier than thou and you're trying to look a certain way in front of a lot of people in order to be esteemed at a certain standard, you're going to get nowhere very fast. God wants humility out of us. God doesn't want to debase ourselves or put ourselves down, but God wants us to be humble like we talked about last week. God wants us to be a people that are not egocentric, that are not based on self and, and meeting self-needs, that we are a people that are based on meeting the needs of everybody else. I remember when my, my mom was in marketing and healthcare, and she won this 
this, this cruise. She wanted a cruise. And so my dad and my mom and me, we went on this cruise. And I must have been 14. I wasn't, I wasn't saved for another year and a half. And so we didn't, didn't know the Lord. And we went on this cruise. And, you know, uh, for some of you that have been on cruises, I've only been on this one in my life. When I was 15. And, and um, or 14, excuse me. And I, I noticed, you know, when you go to the dining room, you know, they have a certain dining. You go to the dining room and you have to... I, this is back then. I don't know if it's the same way now, but you had to wear like a, a coat and a tie when you went to the evening dining and you were assigned to a, a table with other people. And, and I just noticed I had I had a lot of inadequacies in, in my youth and even in my adulthood. But I, but there were some things that I was really, really good at. And I, and I realized this on this cruise where there was everybody was eating a table and having a good time. And it was my mom and my dad and maybe two other people at this table, strangers that we didn't know. And, and then there was one guy just sitting by himself. And, and there was just something in me where my heart just went out for this, this, this middle-aged man. And, and I just got out of my chair. And I went over there and I said, hey, do you, do you want to see this is the guy that doesn't want to play in a basketball game because he doesn't want to double dribble. <laughs> and, and now he's going over to a table and inviting a middle-aged man to come over and sit with him and his family. Why? Because there was something brewing on the inside of me that didn't have anything to do with me. It, it had to do with, with a calling. It had to do with God. It had to do with, with being able to reach out to people and, and not be inadequate in that. Because when you have Jesus, you're never inadequate. Yes. And so it says here in 2 Corinthians 3, 4, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter by the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Did you guys know that, that you have a wellspring on the inside of you that can give life and quench the thirst and the hunger of every single person around you? And all you but all that you need to do is turn the tap on. All you got to do is turn the tap on and people will see that what comes out of you is not religion. It's not self-righteousness. It's, it's not I'm better than you. It's guess what? I have got the blood of the lamb in my life. And I want you to see how God is moving in through, through me so that you can have the same kind of relationship or better that I have. Is it for your parents, your, your greatest goal for your kids? I mean, uh, one of my goals for years ago was this or that or, or you know, good grades or, or, or college or this. But, but, but in the last many, many years, my, my biggest goal has always been, God, can, can my kids just please know you? God, can they just please know you, not know about you, not just know scripture, not just attend, but can they know you, God? Can they, can they know you, that they know you so much that they know that when the gates of heaven open, they have an entrance because they know you and you know them. Amen. And, and that's the kind of, that's the kind of 
pain and suffering. I want you guys to get on the inside of you that you are burdened when your family is not living God. That you're not like, oh, well, whatever. They, they got to do their thing and I'm going to do. That's not the attitude of Christ. The attitude of Christ is God. What can I do to meet them where they are so they get out of hell and they jump into heaven? God, what can I do? Use me. I've had a stomach virus, so I may need a potty break in a second. We'll call the worship team up here. <laughs> I pray this guy's know where that came from. Lord Jesus, help me. Oh, Lord Jesus. Yeah, we're like, we're not sure if we laugh at that, but we feel for Pastor. He's so messed up. The next point I'd like to speak about this morning. You know, Saul also, I believe, struggled with what we see in Proverbs. It tells us that Proverbs 29, 25 in the New Living says, Fearing people is a dangerous trap. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. Fear of how people view you, how people think about you, being consumed with what people think about you and the image that they carry of you. This is such a demonic trap to get into. Maybe you have had somebody tell you, oh, well, I, I remember when you were so-and-so age. I remember what you did. You can tell your church that you're this superhero Christian, but I know who you really are. Can I tell you today that that is just the trap of the devil to bind you up to a past that God doesn't even know about. And we buy it hook, line, and sinker. If we're being honest, if we're an honest church, then that means we've got to be vulnerable enough and transparent enough to say, you know what? There's times I feel very inadequate. There's times when I put the opinions of man as a higher importance than the opinion of God. If we're being honest, I'm not talking about how you teach other people. I'm talking about who you are when you are laying in bed at night and it's just you and God. That is who you really are. Who you really are is not when you stand in the pulpit. Give me a break. These are, Sunday mornings are first date experiences. Sunday mornings are about doing your best to honor. Hey, the motivation is great and the heart is great and we want to honor God in all that we do. But can I tell you, the real part of life is who you are when you are alone. What kind of disciple are you when you are alone and not teaching or preaching to other people? It's funny how Saul, he fell into this head first. 
when Samuel confronted him for failing to obliterate the Amalekites, I believe it was the Amalekites, he replied, he says in 1 Samuel 15, 24, I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. Find me a church where the people are leading the church and I will tell you that that's a failing church. Show me a church that says that they are on fire for God, but it's led by a mere pastor or a board or leaders. And I will tell you that that church will absolutely fail, whether it's uh, soon or later. It will fail because man and women led spiritual activities fail. Uh, this is a popular message today. Praise God. Amen. Love it. I feel good when y'all look at me funny. I do. I can start feeling inadequate, but when y'all start giving me those looks, I'm like, yeah, God. Mm, that's good. That's good. And then I'll get off stage and I'll be like, oh, man, Lord, that sermon stuck. Oh, the life of your pastor. Don't pray for me. Too much transparency today. I'll hold back a little bit more. Praise God. So we've got our inadequacy we see in, in Saul. We see a fear of people. And then we also see being very and overly pragmatic. For some of you that don't know the definition of being pragmatic, it's dealing with things sensibly and realistically in a way that is based on practical rather than theoretical considerations. And I want to replace in the definition, I want to replace the word here, theoretical, with theological. Because a, a leader should not base their decisions on being pragmatic. Because what is often sensible and relatable and reliable by the world standards often more than not, are the opposite of what the Bible says out of its theology. So, and I'll give you an example of that. So, it would be sensible and realistic for you guys to start changing pronouns around to fit what the world says about a little boy that thinks he's a little girl and a little girl that wants to be a little boy and a grown ex-Olympic athlete that wants to go from being a man to being a woman. Can I tell you today that in the world standard, that seems very pragmatic and sensible and loving. But God says, this is an abomination. As a Christian, you are not called to be pragmatic. You are called to be theological. Now, I'm no theologian myself, but I know enough to tell you that if it's not rooted in Jesus, it needs to be thrown out. If it's not rooted in what the Word says, it needs to be thrown out. Anything in this church that is not rooted in the Word of God, any event, any class, any fellowship, anything that is about people and not God needs to be cut. That includes me. If at some point I go down a road where I have become uh, pragmatic and I am trying to meet the needs of what people want instead of what God wants, then it's time for me to leave. Because God will not have that. And I'm not telling you what, guys. It's better for you to get fired in this world than fired 
from eternity. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his way in James 1.8. Saul fit the bill to a T. When he didn't hear from God, he took matters into his own hands and he consulted who? He didn't hear from God, so what does he do? He runs to a psychic. Don't raise your hand if you ran to a psychic this week, please. We, we do need to talk if you did. All right, I want to, I want to help you. <laughs> That's not good. It, it's really not. We, we, we as Christians, and, and I, I've said this more, I'll say it again probably a hundred more times. We as Christians do not need to be dabbling in things that are uh, overtly or inovertly connected to the occult. There's no reason in the world why any of you Christians need to be reading your horoscopes. I mean, if, you're, if you care more about being Aquarius than you do about Jesus, we have a real problem. I know y'all, some of you are like, why would you even happen to mention that? Well, you would be shocked at what people will go to to consult because they have not been patient enough to hear from God. And I do find it a bit comical when we say that we want to hear from God, but we absolutely refuse to get in our prayer closet and read the Word of God, which is where God's voice is, by the way. It's from His Word. He kind of already wrote it. He doesn't need to write it again. Amen. Right? A little sarcasm mixed with a lot of truth for you. So Saul, he fit this bill. He... After promising not to harm David, he repeatedly hunted him down. You know, adaptability is commendable, but God requires consistency and commitment in our life. So here's a question for you. I'm not going to preach long today. I want us to have uh, some time of worship. But what self-imposed baggage are you guys hiding behind today? Is it pride? Is it bitterness? Is it jealousy? Is it endless offense? Is it insecurity? Is it self-righteousness? Is it the inability to apologize to other people when you think they're wrong and you think you're right? Is it you believing that you know more about God than the next person next to you that you carry with your attitude a superior spiritual dominance over others? What kind of baggage are you hiding Attempting to look holier than thou, attempting to come across as something that you actually are. You know, I found something, and you guys will probably say the same thing with me. The more time you spend with people, the more time you love them, but the more flaws you see. You guys know, and I, we, Candace and I have had this debate for a year. People will be like, man. Pastor Court, your kids are so nice. Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, yes, sir, and no, sir. Oh, they open the door for us. They get, the, they get the, the baskets in the parking lot. They don't just get one, they get all of them and return them to this. Wow. Candace, are they talking about her? What? 
can somebody provide some video? Because I want to see this. Now I have seen, I'm just, there's, a, there's an element of joking here, but there's a lot of truth here. Isn't it amazing how our kids, like even Cooper, man, and most, 90% of the time, he's cool, calm, and collected. But 90% of the time at home, I'm like, Lord, what were you thinking? I am too old to have a three-year-old. And there's nothing funny about you anymore, God. But other people, oh, look at him run on the stage. On I'm like, oh, Cooper. Man. It is amazing how we naturally in our sin nature always want to look our best in front of other people, specifically people that are not in our immediate household. But if Jesus were, and by the way, he is in your household, if you visibly saw him in your home tonight, is there some things that you would, let me say it this way. If Jesus said, hey, I'm coming over at 7 p.m., Tonight, I want to just pay you guys a visit and, and check on you face to face. I bet some of you women would clean the kitchen like you have never cleaned the kitchen before. You would vacuum like you, you would be moving. Who moves the couch to vacuum? Jesus is coming over. You got, you got your couch on those little slider things and you're sliding furniture all over the living room trying to get all the mud in the, because the Savior's coming in to pay a visit. If it was me, oh man, pastor's coming over. Just, just find a clean coffee cup for the guy, right? <laughs> right? Throw all the dishes in the sink because they're, if they're not counter level, we can take it, right? We always want to look our best, but remember, God sees from the inside out. He looks at the inside of DH Church and He says, Hey, there's some things you guys are really doing that are pleasing to me. But court, there's some things that we need to change. There's some areas that we got to do a little sanding on. There's some areas that you got to make way for the people that are coming that have been unable to come before. But we've got to make a way for them to be here. Man, I see new faces in this room this morning, people I've not seen before. That's amazing to me. Because I, I just believe, I, I've asked this question of quite a few people lately, just, just people that I've you know, just come across and, and that I believe you know, love the Lord. And I've asked the question, hey, how, how do you think the church is doing? Where do you think the church is? And I've gotten a lot of positive stuff. I've got a, a lot of, nothing really negative, but just, just a lot of really mixed, different 
answers, and they've all been good. But I began to pray after I heard these answers. I, began to, I was praying before, before this, but, but began to pray even more this, so late into this week of, you know, God, what are we really, really doing? What, what are we really, really accomplishing? Because we don't want to be, and I'm going to close in a few minutes. Worship team, y'all can start making your way up. Because that will help me get, get moving. Is we don't want to be pragmatic and be relative to what the American church is doing. We want to be decisive and hear what God wants to do and not delay, just do it. Like, God, you, you, you have told us, you have given us this mandate, you have given us, these are our convictions, these are areas that, that we cannot draw the line on, but these are, these are musts. And God tells us that mandate, which I believe he has many times, and we simply just do it. That's the church that we want to be, a church that is in motion, Towards the coming of Christ Jesus. So what, what happened to Saul? Many of you know the answer to this. Saul's acts of disobedience caused the Lord to take away his kingship. Samuel told him that because of his foolish choices, Saul would be replaced on the throne. His final days were filled with um, being obsessive. He was obsessive in hunting down young David. He was obsessive and, and manic. He was destructive. He was, his behavior patterns were not the way they should have been as a, as a king, as a leader. Have you ever known a leader that started off really, really well? And then three, four, five years down the road, they just began to have this, this decay in their life, this root of bitterness. Many of us have seen that in our church leaders and in pastors for many years where they started out so strong, but the finish line just seemed to be too far away for them to hold on to truthfulness and honesty before God. The Philistines mounted new attacks on the nation. Saul desperately ordered a uh, another uh, mystic teller uh, and it was funny that he tried to call up the ghost of Samuel <laughs> he tried to do a lot of very mystic uh, evil evil things Saul was told that the Israel, Israelite army would be defeated and the next day the words of Samuel came to pass and Saul and his son Jonathan were both killed during the battle. You know, Saul started hiding behind baggage and he ended his life hiding behind baggage. I'm going to say this uh, one more time for those that have not heard this before. I want to just, I want to say this because it's an integral part of my life and it's an integral part of of, I believe, the ministry that God has given me, which has never been very popular um, to most people around me. But in the 10 years that I served in end-of-life care, 
I, I learned some very important, valuable um, items in regards to uh, people dying. And one of the many things that I learned is that when you are literally on your deathbed, you can no longer pretend to be somebody else. That the true person that you really are comes out. And you know, just like Saul, he was, he was hiding. The Bible said that he, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. So he was talking about his, his physical stature. Some would debate that it meant more than that, but I'll take it for what it says that it was about his physical stature. And then we see David. David had a very small frame. He had a small stature. And yet David was used. David had the heart of a worshiper. He was used mightily for God. Not based on stature or height or depth or width. But he was used based on his, his depth of spirit. And so what I want to convey to you guys this morning before we go into a brief time of worship is... You can only hide for so long behind the baggage of your life. You can only hide for a set number of years and then you will come to a place where you've got to be open and honest about who you really are. You know, there are some churches in America in just 2022, and y'all can begin to play, that have broken open. Small churches, medium-sized churches, mega-churches where the pastors have are gone. Some of the leaders are gone. We've got churches uh, close to us in this area that are, are, are broken in pieces right now because of, of hidden sin, because of, of secrets. I mean, it, 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 it baffles me of how many secret societies we have now in America within the American church. I know some of y'all don't believe in all this. Some of you think it's a conspiracy. But if you read your Bible, you will realize very quickly that God is very serious about hidden agendas and secret sin. God is very serious about the things that we say are God, the things that we proclaim are holy, but actually are not holy. Will you stay with me for just a few minutes as we worship and pray? Father, this morning, we know that you are a God that is sufficient, that even in our inadequacy, even in our hiding, even in the things that we think that we are so good at, God, you dominate all of those things. You are a father that cares about it, a father that wants more of us. And I want us just to take some time this morning. The worship team is going to lead us in song. But I want us to take some time this morning. If you're able to stay, whether it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I want you to just make your way to the altar this morning. If a prayer partner wants to come beside you and, and pray for you, please allow that. They just want to love on you and care for you. But if you're here today and you would say, you know what, I am, I've been hiding behind some baggage. I've been hiding behind ego and pride and bitterness. I've been hiding behind things that 
I can no longer hide. I can no longer play this game. I can no longer be this person. If you're here today and you would say that you need a relationship with Jesus, I want you to come up as well. Somebody will pray for you. Tell them that you want to pray. You want to accept Jesus as your Savior. If you're here today and you've got physical issues in your body, you've got things that you're struggling with, whether it's emotionally or physically, come on, let's get, let's get open this morning. Let's get open. Let's get filled up. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to, to break us of some, some patterns that are, that are negative patterns, some, some patterns of, of uh, lack, lack of fruit and a lack of the positive confession, a lack of. Come on, God has done everything for you. He doesn't want you to have any lacking in you. If you're here today, I want you to make your way up. If you just want to get closer to Jesus, now is a good time to come to the altar. Let's just honor him this morning. Worship him. We thank you, Father. Bless these. Bless those that come to the altar. Bless those that stay in their seats.